Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode of Living Light Outdoors on the mic with you. It's Saturday. It's story time with Buster. Here we are, chapter 26 of A White Stone. Wow, how much have we found in the midst of this that so uh, points at today? I love this book. I love how it is actually reliving everything as we sit right in the midst of what is going on in our world today. This book written in the late 90s and is and is literally pointing it out right now. Last chapter, we saw where uh, Tom took his entire family. They sold all their fancy house, all their place, and they're moving to the inner city. They bought a building in the inner city. They're going to open up a ministry there. What an incredible thing is God's changing the lives of everyone who who truthfully seeks him. This uh, Chapter 26 is where we are today. It's a long chapter. I'm probably going to break it. Uh, at a certain point, it'll leave us in suspense, but we're gonna, <laughs> these are getting better as we go. We don't have a whole lot left to do, but as with all of our chapters, we're going to start from our Father's heart. There will come a time when my anointed will walk in freedom, having no bounds or entanglements with the world. It will be a time when those devoted to me and me alone will rise above all of the restrictions and sin that have held my bride captive. Those who have chosen to scoff at the things which I hold dear will no longer able be able to do so. They will see with their own eyes a people that make my world come alive, living testimonies for the true gospel. Choices will need to be made by all people. Either they will submit to the truth of my word and become part of my true church, or they will deny me in those in who are before their very eyes. When my anointing falls on my bride, those who have sold out to me during this time of testing, there will be no doubt as to who belongs to me. Purity, holiness, devotion, mercy, power, all of my fruits and gifts and fullness will be manifest in and through the humble, the meek, the lowly in spirit. My word will pierce the hungry soul as my people live and move and have their being in me. I have told you of a salvation to be revealed in the last time. I have told you of a great harvest. Now I am about to equip, equip those whom I can trust. Be part of my bride. Give everything to me. Devote yourself to my ways and my desires. Respond to this call, my beloved. Do not turn away and be left outside. I love you and would love for you to be equipped to help bring forth the harvest. Choose to be completely mine now. The time is short. Psalms chapter 10 verse 4 says, In his pride the wicked does not seek him. In all of his thoughts there is no room for God. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, thoughtless, without forethought, and five were wise, sensible, intelligent, and, and prudent. That's Matthew chapter 25 verse 1 through 2. As the time grew near to the Lord Jesus to step from his throne to come for his bride, a final call was given to those who hadn't received life from on high. In contrast to the anticipation, joy, and wondrous order in the heavenly strife, upheaval, and total chaos encompassed the earth and its inhabitants. Mixed with seasons of relative peace and temporary security, wars, rumors, and threats to every kind of freedom were rampant. Economies of single nations would topple overnight, causing devastation to the staggering world economy. 
While U.S. troops were sent to fight never-ending wars around the world and foreign troops practiced locally terrorist activity administered by those hating for the sake of hating, caused feelings of absolute safety to be a thing only remembered in stories told to help calm fearful children into falling asleep. People clamored for the government to do something, not knowing that their cry meant losing more of their freedoms a little at a time. Governments responded with more laws and restrictions, furthering a totally controlled society. A vicious pounding almost broke the thin office door of Pastor Wickham shaking him from his prayer time. Wiping tears of repentance from his eyes, he stood to answer the door as the incessant pounding continued. Morgan Wickham, having been requested to resign from his duties at His Holiness Christian Fellowship, started a small gathering in remnant believers in a warehouse two miles from his former congregation. Lacking all of the glamour of his former position, but abounding in the grace, love, and life of God, he was able to be the true shepherd of the flock that the Lord had entrusted to him. Sold out and uncompromising, Pastor Wickham had embraced the moving of God's Spirit in his heart and walked in the power of a crucified life. As he opened the door, he was surprised to see his former head deacon, Jim Wilson, wild-eyed and visibly shaken, staring at him, anxious for an audience. Jim had been the initiator of aggressor in the move for the resignation of his former pastor. Morgan had forgiven him and all of the others who had signed the petition. He even understood that the accusations, false stories, and condemning words of some of his former flock were not the words of the people themselves, but the spirit behind them which drove them to say and do such malicious, ungodly things. It's crashed. I'm ruined. Jim exclaimed, almost shouting as he pushed his way into the small, single-room office. Now calm down, Jim, Pastor said quietly. Here, let me get you a glass of water, he added, as he started towards the water cooler in the corner. The water gurgled, and a large, lone bubbled belched its way up to the top to see through plastic jug as the water filter in the tiny paper cone. Taking the water without thanks and gulping it down in one swallow, Jim continued as he crumpled the paper cone. You don't understand. The stock market has crashed. Everything I had was invested in stocks. I even mortgaged my house last week to buy Zonder Chemical, a sure thing. And now it's all gone. What am I going to do? Well, Pastor began, raising his hand to Jim's shoulder in an attempt for consultation. I would better, see, we better seek the Lord. I know, Jim interested, pushing the pastor's hand aside. Maybe like Pettings, Peddingson's worth over at the bank could extend the note. Maybe he could help me. I got to go see him. Jim again pushed past his former confidant as he rushed to the door, mumbling to himself. He charged out without even saying goodbye. Pastor Wickham went back to his prayer time and held the confused, panic-stricken man before the Lord. In his heart, though, he knew that Jim had not trusted nor believed in the work of God he was doing, the work of God was doing. After a short time of prayer, there was another knock on the door. This time, the knock was slow and almost solemn. The voice on the other side quietly called and almost whispered his name. Pastor Wickham, are you there? May I talk to you? Morgan Wickham again rose from his kneeling position in the corner of his very modest room. The single room served as office, kitchen, and bedroom. He spent most of his time, quiet times, at the couch in the corner, either kneeling in front of it to pray or sitting on it to read. Its secondary purpose provided a temporary bed for a needy man. On the way to the door, he caught a glimpse of himself in the mirror. Because he had been in prayer most of the night and he hadn't had time to prepare prior to Jim Wilson's disturbing visit, he was still in his pajamas and robe. This was sure going to impress whoever that was, he said to himself as he continued toward the door. 
11 o'clock in the morning, he mused, and here I am looking like I've given up on myself. I sure hope it's someone who will understand. Morgan opened the door to the full extent of the short security chain, peeking through the opening provided. He observed a well-dressed man in his 20s. As soon as the door opened, the man's eyes brightened, and he immediately thrust his extended hand through the door opening. Before Pastor Wickham could move aside, the man's hand poked him in the stomach, causing him to react and hit the door with his head and inadvertently closing it tightly on a man's hand. I'm sorry, the man said, grimacing through the small opening. My name is Mark Dieter. I, I guess I so wanted to meet you and shake your hand that I got a little carried away. May I talk to you? What is it about? Morgan responded while eyeing the man and de determining by his countenance that this was a meeting of friendship. May I come in? Mark queried somewhat hesitantly while trying to extract his now bright reddening hand from the door. Yes, I'm sorry, Morgan replied. He pulled the door back to free Mark's hand, closed it to undo the security chain, and opened it again to usher in his latest visitor. How can I help you, he said, motioning with one hand to Mark to come in and rubbing his head and stomach with the other. Mark walked into the center of the room, turned, and faced Pastor Wickham. I, I need to talk to you about something very important to me. I, he hesitated, I need some answers, some real truth, and I think you can help me. I'll do what I can, Morgan said, but... Would you mind if I got dressed first? It'd only take a few minutes, and you can begin to talk while I'm changing. The door on this walk-in closet is quite thin, and I'll be able to hear you perfectly. One of the advantages of cheap rent, he added with a grin that seemed to break the tension that Mark was obviously feeling. With that comment, he motioned for Mark to sit on the couch as he walked to the closet. He pulled the light chain, closed the door in the closet, and began putting on his jogging suit. This will be comfortable enough, he thought, until the meeting is over and I can dress for the day. Pastor Wickham, Mark began. Call me Morgan, said the voice from behind the closed door. Morgan, Mark started again, receiving the openness and friendship that had been given him. I've been in great confusion for many months now, and I need your help. I thought I knew what it meant to be a Christian, and subsequently, how I should act. But now, as I observe what is happening all around me, I'm not so sure. I was hoping you could help me. Mark went on to tell Pastor about... Parts of his life, his association with Stephen McDougall and God's people for the restoration of morality, his last meeting with Stephen was most specifically their last conversation about Katie's naughty, naughty toys. He told of the deep confusion he was feeling, especially after his search for her name came up nothing to nothing, and all that he was able to find was that she had decided to go live somewhere in New Mexico. The friends Mark was able to contact in his search for her had little to say except that she cried a lot and cursed those of self-righteous bigots, as she called them. She left angry and empty to go rest for a while, was the report. Mark had settled most of what of that in his heart with the understanding that only the Holy Spirit can change people. His job was to love and serve to a greater degree so that others could see in him the kind of love that, that, look, that took Jesus to the cross. His concern at present was the open warfare played out on the streets of every city. How do I live for the Lord in face of such a challenge? He said quietly, expressing his heart to the man on the other side of the closet door. Morgan reappeared from the dressing closet, combing his hair and adjusting his jogging suit. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? He quietly spoke as he walked to the chair next to the couch and sat down. Would you like some coffee? He remarked to ask after he sat down. Mark gave a silent no thank you with his hand, signifying that talk was more important than cordialities this morning. Morgan toyed with the pages of his well-worn Bible in momentary silence to gather his thoughts. I don't know whatever I have everything in order myself, Mark, he began slowly. 
but I do know that the Holy Spirit is sending out a call. He's requiring a depth of commitment, a, a total death to all that I used to hold dear. It has made me reevaluate all that I thought I knew before. I heard about that, Mark responded, leaning forward, attentively poised to hear what would come next. That's why I came to see you. It looks like I may have to make some major decisions in my life, like fighting for my country, which I know I should do, dealing with someone who might take my last piece of food or coming face-to-face -face with someone who wants to take my life or the lives of those around me. I don't know that I have what it takes to make those kinds of decisions. As Mark spoke, Morgan took a quick look out in the window. He continued, Mark, I gave my life to Jesus a long time ago. Since then, I've tried my best to represent him to others in accordance with my understanding of his word. I thought I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I even spoke in other tongues. I believed and led many to Jesus. In all of those years, I had no idea how far I was from him. Mark stirred a little uneasy, thinking that Morgan had missed the point of his visit. Recently, however, Morgan continued, something has happened. Morgan's face began to take on a childlike radiance, as in adoration of one who is very dear. His voice drifted, as if reliving some wondrous event. The only way I could describe what happened would be to compare it to what I think the event at Pentecost must have been like. Remember, I already thought I was filled with the Holy Spirit. That was a wonderful experience, but this, this was incomparable. He continued looking directly at Mark. By the way, I've contacted many of my pastor friends and people that I know and trust. This is far from an isolated incident. It's as if Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is visiting his people to change them. Mark stared at Morgan, so entranced with what he was saying that there was a long pause before he spoke. What do you mean, visiting his people to change them? Well, for some time there have been, there's been a stirring, like a call in the hearts of many to draw close. It, it, began, it began with a questioning in my heart, a desire for more of Jesus. Very much like that one it sounds as though you are experiencing through your need for answers, Morgan said, putting his hand on Mark's shoulder for reassurance. This led me to seek him for more of him, like a wooing of some sort. With my seeking him for myself, not for answers, a newness, almost a rekindling of first love rose up in me. Then Morgan paused, remembering. Then he came. Jesus showed up, and everything was changed. Now he's always here. What do you mean Jesus showed up? Mark asked quietly, putting aside his immediate needs, trying not to disturb or seeming reverence of the moment. He hadn't really thought about the importance of being equipped in his spirit for the times ahead. Mark, good people do die. Many times in the past, there were very difficult circumstances in, in my life became unbearably hard. Without a special kind of power, which presently we know little about, the people in those difficult circumstances would have died cursing those who came against them, thereby nullifying the work of the cross. I am convinced that Jesus is equipping us with himself for the days ahead. From what I've learned, Morgan said, it is not the same for everyone. Some actually see him. Mark was wide-eyed and unable to speak. Some simply sense their sin and lack of ability to handle situations as Jesus would. Others only feel a peace and a presence beyond anything they have ever felt. But the outcome is always the same. Everyone is changed instantly.
I'm going to bring us to a pause right there. Uh, again, there's quite a bit more to this chapter, and it would take us quite a lengthy time to complete it. So I believe that's a really good place to stop. Look at what's happening. Look at what he's describing. He's describing, I mean, obviously we see that this this time that they are in is, is chaotic, uh, much like what we see in our lives here today in, in the good old U.S. of A. There's chaos all around us. We don't know what's coming next. We don't have the answers. But there is something that is that is continually putting itself before us, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is moving among his people. The Holy Spirit is moving among his bride, his church, his his body. And we're seeing outpourings. Ron and I were just talking about this. I, I read an article about the coach of, of Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, and he was talking in this article about the revival that was going on even within the football team of the Michigan Wolverines. And it's very interesting to note that this isn't just a one thing. It's everywhere. There, there's, there's, there's pockets of an outpouring of God's Spirit all over the place. We saw it at Asbury at that, at the, the, oh shoot, sorry. We saw it at Asbury at the college campus where, where these kids just began to worship the Lord and they began to seek God for more and God showed up. There's an outpouring of his presence. Uh, this, this Jim Harbo talked about how uh, there's only a hundred, hundred members of the roster of the Michigan Wolverine football team. They baptized 70 of them in the year of 2023 of them giving their lives to Christ. These are college football players giving their lives to Christ quietly. It's not a big dog and pony show. They're not a big band playing for them. They're giving their lives to Christ. There's a movement taking place. Even even on the pro teams, we've seen more and more of, of, of these players who are giving credit to their Savior, Jesus Christ, and openly expressing their faith. And th- this this outpouring is happening all around us. There's a movement. But then look at the opposition that we face all around us as well. There's a stifling of everything that's truth. We are in these last days, just like it's describing here. Something's coming. Jesus is on the move. And when Jesus shows up, people change. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to face Jesus, to be directly in his presence? Maybe see him physically, maybe just see him spiritually, and it change your life forever to become who he called you to be from the very beginnings of time? I mean, most of us believe that we've already been serving him, right? But to what degree? And how deep is our love for him? Take us back to our first love. Ephesians chapter 2, the, 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 the letter to the church of, of Ephesus. Go, go and read that. You've lost your first love. You're doing all this good stuff. You're doing all these good things. But I have this against you. You've lost your first love. How far have you fallen? I want to call you out today to simply renew your faith. Take a new stand. We'll finish this chapter next week. There's an anticipation building up in this. God's moving, and he's doing so in our midst even today in real time. Seek him with everything you have. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for following along on our podcast. Ron and I love you. We're praying for you. Thank you for your financial support. All of our giving links are set up. They're on our website. They're pinned right to the top of our Facebook page. We are canceling our simple give. We're getting rid of it because of the cost of it uh, to the ministry. We want to be better stewards of what God is pouring in here. 
Uh, so we have a Zephy link that is set up now. PayPal link is fine. Our PayPal giving link. There's Venmo. There's Cash App. Any, any way you want to give, we can accept your offering. Pray for us, please, as we continue to pursue him and his presence in all that we do. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. We'll talk to you again real soon.